Johnson. Oh, going for the championship that ain't coming close. This might require taking notes, homie. Listen close. Serendipity when you know you the one who chose. We going past the end zone, crushing every goal. I feel it in my enzymes and my chromosomes. If you ain't come outside to go hard, then go back home. I'm in my zone. If it ain't greatest, I'm better left alone. This for the world. Put what we speaking on on speakerphone. Yeah, Wills, let them know what we be on. Serendipity, man. Tune in. What's going on, good people? Welcome to Serendipity. I'm Inky Johnson here with my brother. I'm Oka Fanoos, better known as Oak, I guess. What's happening, brother? Man, all good. How you feeling? Uh, I feel good. I, I, I really feel good, man. I'm, I got my inspiration here with me tonight. So uh, ready to roll, ready yeah, to yeah. just dive into um, whatever it is we're going to talk about. You know what I'm saying? But one thing I want to say first and foremost uh, at this point, man. Thank you to all of the people, all of the people that have been showing love on IG and showing yeah. love on Facebook and whatnot. Just, you know, taking in what it is that uh, we've been saying, picking up what we've been putting down. Uh, know that we are very grateful. I'm speaking Definitely. for you on this ad. For sure. I'm going to speak for you on this one now. For sure. For sure. Um, like, for real, thank you. Yes, sir. You guys don't know how some of those comments that you send to me personally, like lift me up from time to time and moment to moment. So F. gratitudes, gratitudes. For sure. Nah, man, I, I, um, I'm with you. I appreciate that, man, because I always look at it like when a person supports you, anything you do, I'm cognizant that they don't have to do it. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so to take time out of your lives to do it, man, we greatly appreciate it. We respect it. And thank y'all so much. I'm going to kick it off, man, with a quote card like we usually do. I wrote it down on our cards yes, today. Sir. Yes, sir. You know What's what our card? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, okay. serendipity. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. But it reads, the trick to forgetting the big picture is to look at everything up close. The trick to forgetting the big picture is to look at everything up close. That, that throws my mind to being in the moment, mm -hmm. to being, uh, do you have the mental and emotional stamina to go and dive all the way down the rabbit hole? Yes, indeed. Right? Because most times we, we, we come across a problem, we come across a situation, and we just want to give a quick fix. Right. When there, there are steps to it, mm. right? You got to go past this tree, you got to go past that tree, you got to go past that tree. So, Looking at the big picture, which is always great, mm. but in order to get in order to get to the big picture, we must understand the root causes. Yeah, talk about it. Tree by tree by tree in the forest, uh, situation by situation by situation. Like we have situation going on right now, uh, a couple of incident, incidents, probably three. You know, you got the major one that happened in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. We have had two major incidents in Atlanta high schools where a couple of young people have gotten uh, murdered. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And we can look at it and say, oh, man, the society is this, society is that. Young people are this, young people are that. Right. People are this and people are that. Mm -hmm. Yet, what is it that caused this one person or this one situation? Let's dive into that situation. 
yeah. and, and look at it wholeheartedly. Right. Right? So we got to go and look at the small picture in order to get to the big picture mm. of everything that's going on in our society, in our communities. Yes, right? sir. So it's very important. But again, the main thing that we must have to have is the mental and emotional stamina. Yes, sir. To dive all the way in and come up with solutions. Because we we have the solutions. Right. We don't have the stamina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oftentimes a cat has a level of competitive stamina without the mental stamina too, in order to, I would say, not get to the mountaintop, but once you arrive at the mountaintop, be able to stay there. Right. Like that doesn't just take competitive stamina, that takes mental stamina. Yes. Yes. You know what I'm saying? But um, I'll never forget, man, we were living in uh, Ellenwood, Georgia at the time. And um, man, one of, our, one of the first homes me and my family purchased, excited, you know, trying to furnish the home. Oh, like, I'm talking about a big deal, man. Mm-hmm. White kids, feeling proud, you know what I'm saying? As a family, we've accomplished something, man. And uh, it was a guy that used to just do portraits, right? And so I wanted a portrait done of me and my family. And uh, we talked, we discussed the logistics, and he ended up doing it. And so when he brought it, I'll never forget, uh, one of my boys was there with me. And when he brought it, you know, he took the paper off of him. I'm like, oh, man, that's dope. Like, I like that. You know what I'm saying? I get excited. I tell my wife about it. And so he puts it in the place that it's going to be. Mm-hmm. When he puts it in the place that it's going to be, i never forget my dude that was there with me walked up to it. Right, and I'm talking about he's super close up on it. He, you know what I'm saying? And he, nah, he ain't, he ain't get your line right. Uh-uh. Nah, look at the teeth. Nah, look at your daughter hair. Look at your son hairline. I was like, man, come back where I am, man. Like, I was standing back off. I'm like, come back where I am, man. And he came back and he stood beside me. I said, can you see everything that you just pointed out when you were standing close up? Can you see it back where I am? He was like, nah, I can't see it. I said, sometimes you can't see the picture when you're in the frame. Sometimes when you're too close to something, whether it be situations, circumstances, it's impossible to see the big picture. Like sometimes you got to step back and you got to let situations breathe. Sometimes you got to walk off. Sometimes you got to let things subside. Because sometimes when you're so close up on something, right, it could be adversity, opposition, challenge, confrontation. When you're so close up on it, sometimes it's impossible to see the totality in the big picture of the situation, man. Um. Man, I, I totally get what you're saying because I did, I had a, a, a young football player at Crawford Long, linebacker. Uh, he, you know, passed away, he got murdered. Hmm. Uh, but he was one of them, probably our top, one of our top three football players I ever coached. Oh. Right. Uh, we, in fact, we named a position after him. Hmm. But he was so intense. He played middle linebacker. Yeah. So he was so intense. Yeah. And sometimes that would get him in trouble at school. Mm. And so there was a painting on the wall. It was a mural. Yeah. And I said, and I had him stand up to that wall and said, tell me what's all the way to the left and what's all the way to the right. Mm. And he couldn't see it. I said, take a step back, take a step back, take a step back, take a step back. And then where he was able to see the totality of it. Mm. He was able to see how this moment of your anger, just because you're in a tunnel vision situation. Yeah, man. You can't see the big picture because you're a leader, you're a protector, you're a provider. Yes, sir. And I know that sounds crazy for a 14-year-old, but you are providing 
inspiration. Mm. You're providing comfort for your classmates, and you being an eighth grader for this fifth, I mean, the sixth and seventh graders, right? So you have to be able to step back and see the totality of the picture so that you can provide whatever it is that you bring to the table. Yes, sir. Right? So Poppy was, um, and, and he got the lesson. And once he got that lesson, he was able to now, he's able to call the whole defense on mm-hmm. the field. But he's also, because I was, I was using it for my own advantage. Yeah. I'm the assistant principal for eighth grade. I need these cats to be on point and not acting a fool on the hallways in the, in, the, in the cafeteria. Right. And I leveraged his ability to be a leader, mm-hmm. right? So that, because when he said something, they listened. Mm. Yeah. Even more so than any teacher or even myself. Yeah, guy. Right? But he had to learn the lesson of you got to step away from it, remove your personal feelings from something. Yeah. And understand what you're looking at for the principality of the thing smoking. Right? Not just your personal aspect of it. Mm. Yeah. It's, um, it's dope, man, because it makes me think about when you tell a person, don't make a permanent decision over a temporary condition or situation. Mm-hmm. And that is interconnected to don't allow your emotions to overpower your intelligence, right? But something that I just thought about when you said that about just control, right? I wrote some down earlier. It said, what such a man needs is not courage, but nerve control, cool headedness. Mm -hmm. This he can only get by practice. And we was just talking about processing emotions with strategy and not being taught that, right? Just with our responses. And you was talking about you talking to some cats today about just like, man, like, what were you thinking when you encountered the situation, when you felt the emotion? Because that's something that we don't we don't ask. Right. If something happens and transpires and you see something happen and transpires based upon how it makes you feel, you're going to handle the situation. You ain't going to go and be like, what were you thinking? But How you, did you feel? But you see the way in which you just asked that as the elder. Right. You know you what I'm saying? What would you think? Most of the time, because we as the elder are so upset and moved, we'll say, what were you thinking, boy? No question. No question. Right? So we're not really asking for the answer. Oh, no question. So we have to, as the elder or and as the initiate, be in a place where I can say, hey, just tell me your thought process. In that right. Moment. Right. So I, I, I got to be able to say it in such a way that I'm not coming off as judgmental. Right. I'm not coming off as, oh, you were wrong and you messed up. I literally want to know what were you thinking yeah. to help you. Big but time. it also put some tools in my toolbox as I go forward and deal with and talk to and hopefully try to help other people. Big time. Oh, oh, that's so, that's so big time, man. I can't tell you how many times I've interacted with my children and jumped to a conclusion about their thought process, about a situation. And when I calmed down and been like, what were you thinking? And when they would explain their thought process, I would be like, man, I never even right. thought about right. it like that. Right, right. And it would make sense. Mm-hmm. What, like, I'm talking about it or not. not. That's what I'm saying. It still made sense. That's at how least, they saw it. It's the, at least it made sense to them. Definitely, definitely. So now once you validate a person. Picking it up. On their okay. thought process on their feelings, then whatever it is you have to offer, right, then now they can balance and be able to decide whether what I'm thinking in my thought process is most valuable or the wisest thing to do or what I just received from my elders the wisest thing to do. Yes, sir. But if I'm not validated, 
if I don't receive validation, if you don't receive validation, mm. then what happens is internally it's called self-preservation. Yes, sir. Right? So you begin to validate yourself in, in behind your own thoughts and behind your own feelings, mm-hmm. which may or may not be the best thing for the moment. Talk about it. So as the elder, what you want to do is always validate first. Mm. You always want to validate first as a parent, as a teacher, as a coach. I Okay. In my head, that may have been the seem like the dumbest decision in the world. Yes, sir. But that's to me. Mm-hmm. But to you, I need to be able to understand what was your thought process. And in my understanding, in my seeking to understand, that is where I begin to validate you. That begins to build a level of trust. Yeah. That begins to where now when you ask Lil Ink, you know, how was your day or why did you do that? He doesn't take it as you trying to be... Uh, Sarcastic. Right. You're not trying to be sarcastic. You're not trying to demeaning. You're not trying to demean me. You're genuinely asking. Absolutely. What were you thinking, bro? Definitely. Definitely. Because your thought and your perspective is just as valuable as mine. Definitely. And then we can find listen, we we all well, he ain't graduated middle school yet, but we all graduate middle school. We can come to some type of conclusion, some type of resolution. Yes, sir. Right? Yes, sir. That's it. I love, I love that you said validate and trust. I remember as a as a leader um, in sports, in life, just trying to grow, man. And, you know, leadership comes with a heavy level of accountability and responsibility just in terms of just figuring out the cats that you operate and you work with, right? And when you speak to validation and trust, I'll never forget when I was like, man, I got to change my leadership model. I got to be willing to support and then challenge. I came up in an environment that was heavy on challenge. Mm-hmm. Cats would challenge challenge. Like, let's go. If you got it in you, let's go. One-on-one, we getting busy. Let's go, right? And you would challenge. And so I came up in that environment. So when I played with cats, I would often challenge first, right? Like, let's go, man. You got more in you. I would challenge. And I would see that certain cats responded differently. You had certain cats you could say things to. They can look at you. You knew they were ready to go. You had certain cats, you say something to them, they going to go in the shell. Had certain cats you can look at and you already know they ready to go. And I understood that at a certain point, if I wanted everybody to come, if I wanted everybody to move forward, I had to be willing to change the model. And so I moved to the model of, I have to be willing to support and then challenge. Why? So when adversity is present, opposition is present, hard times are present, I supported them. And so now it gives me the right to challenge them, to validate and to trust. But if you never support them and you just challenge them, when adversity and opposition is present, they're going to be like, man, you ain't never supported me. So you don't have the yep. right to challenge me. Yep. You never stood with me in adversity and opposition. You ain't got the right to challenge me. When my mama was sick, I ain't hear from you. You ain't got the right to challenge me. But when you support people and then challenge people, people are more apt to receive the challenge. You know what listen, I'm saying? Listen, Encorius. Listen, uh, I, I believe, I would like to think that I challenged uh, you guys, all my my students, my ball players, I would like to believe that, right? Mm-hmm. Yet, I would also like to believe that none of them left feeling like Coach Mitchell, Mr. Mitchell, Oak, whomever, didn't love me. Definitely. Definitely. On the right corner of that board every day, it was yeah. never erased. Tell them the board, Oak. Tell them the right board. right corner of that board every day, it was never erased. It was, I love you. Mm. 
So every time they looked up to do a math problem, if they got frustrated or whatever, they always their mind went to, their eyes went to the right corner of the board and said, I love you. Yes, sir. So now it's a fact. Now when I go all in and act the monkey, <laughs> it's a visual representation of I love you. Yes, right? indeed. And I but when you were saying something about the validation and changing the paradigm of how you lead, mm. because what we're experiencing as time goes on, you were in the challenge first. Right. But that's a fallacy. Mm. Talk about it. Because your grandmama and your mama validated you first. Mm. So when you came to the table, to the athletic realm, right. you were already validated. Yeah. So you were ready for the challenge. Right. Like I'm saying, for you and for many people who feel like, okay, I just got the challenge, challenge, challenge. Right. Right? No. What you... The, the process is still the same. Love first, support first, validate first, challenge second. Yeah. It's just a matter of you having the understanding of does this person, does this young person, does this player, does this athlete, does whomever, does this student, do they already have the validation? Do they mm-hmm. already have the love? Does this, my friend, my the person yeah. that I'm, I'm trying to get to walk through something, right? right? Do they already have the validation? Yeah. If they do, then go and challenge. Right. But if they do not, then you must provide the validation. You must provide the love. You must provide the compassion. All yeah. of those internal things that make a person feel good about themselves. But most importantly, how does a person feel when they're in your presence? Right. Definitely. And how do they process it? Because in certain environments, you process toughness as love. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how I processed. Right. Like, I didn't know how to operate in an environment when a cat would be passive with me. Because I process toughness going at it. I process that as love. Yes. That's why I came. My uncle take me to play against somebody that got out of prison. Ink, you got him. Yep. I process, I'm talking about nose, bloody, every. I processed it as love. And so validation, trust, I'm with you, man. I'm picking it up. Okay, I heard this quote, man. Um, and I was like, man, that's, in its simplicity, it's profound. Phil Jackson was talking about Kobe, Bean, Bryant. Mamba mentality. He said, it's one thing to have talent, but it's another to have the drive to learn the nuances of the game. Mm-hmm. He said, it's one thing to have talent. It's another thing. He said, that cat was going to the next level when he started learning the nuances of the game. He said, one day Jerry West called him about a dialogue that he had with Kobe because Kobe wanted to understand how can he score the amount of points that Jerry West and some of the guys were scoring in the offense that they were running. And Phil said he felt like, oh, man, this is about to be trouble mm-hmm. because I run that was the, uh, the, the triangle. triangle offense to try to have restrictions to keep control, keep things disciplined. And here this cat is calling Jerry West asking about scoring points. And he said, really, he was just trying to understand the nuances, nuances of the game and trying to be effective. And so when you talk to talent and nuances of the game and a cat going to the next level, how do you see process and look at that? To me, that is quintessential intellectualism. Yeah. Right? Most people, as we talked about having this, the, the mental or emotional stamina, yeah. intellectualism is, is simply wanting to understand the nuances of how a thing works. Mm-hmm. A plumber can have intellectualism or they could just be very talented and can see something, hear it, hear the, the pipe, 
whatever it's doing, like, oh, okay, I know what it is. Right. But they, they, they may not be able to tell you why. Mm-hmm. And they may not be able to teach it to someone else. Right. It's a fact. Right. The difference between Magic Johnson and Larry Bird was that Bird had to, based off of his physical skill set, had to develop intellectualism. Mm-hmm. That's why he, uh, he went to game seven against the Chicago Bulls mm-hmm. as a coach. Right. Because he was able to transfer his knowledge and his understanding to someone else. Mm-hmm. That's why the young cats today, uh, if you hear them in their testimony about Kobe Bean Bryant, Right. And the conversations he will have with them and their reverence for him, they're not revering the fact that he scored 60 his last game. Right. They're not revering the fact that he was just an awesome basketball player. What they're revering is the way in which he was able to sit down and have a conversation with them mm-hmm. to get them to see what it is that he saw. Absolutely. Right? Now, whether you had the intestinal fortitude to go out and be at practice at 3.30 or 4 o'clock or beat him there, that was on you. Mm. But if you could, you know, anybody can get up at three o'clock and be at practice, but mm. you can practice for three hours the wrong way. Definitely. Definitely. So it takes the commitment and the work ethic, but it also takes the commitment and the work ethic to figuring out how a thing works. Definitely. That's what Definitely. made Mamba special. To me, that's quintessential Mamba mentality. Yeah. It's not necessarily, I'm going to strike and I'm going to score these points and I'm going to beat you and I'm going to win. No. It's either we win or I learn. Definitely. And, you know, he was one of the first people to begin to say that. Definitely. That's what separates him from everyone else. That's what that's the thing that makes him very unique. Definitely. His intellectualism in being a girl, uh, 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 what is a girl dad, his intellectualism mm-hmm. in writing and wanting to, you know, get into the stream, the screenplay and all of that stuff. His the arts, the, arts, the and and just in terms of basketball, like this, this brother was. He was cold-blooded, man. He layered, for sure. Yeah, he was cold-blooded. But I I termed that as intellectualism. Definitely, definitely. When someone says being Brian, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Intellectualism. I'm not saying an intellectual, because I'm not talking about academics. Mm -hmm. Intellectualism is just your ability and willingness to dive all the way into what it is that you're doing. Definitely, definitely. He said the next segment of his career was when his maturation took place, right? Like it's one thing to have talent and a lot of people got talent and that's great. But like when you was just speaking about how people revered him because they got him, they got them to see what he saw, like in terms of how he processed and saw the game. Like it was so phenomenal, man, like to understand just how hard it is to work every single day to try to be great. Mm-hmm. Right. Like in the book, Atomic Habits, it's a thing called the aggregation of marginal gain. And the aggregation of marginal gain means every single day you get up and you look for ways to become better at what you do. That's it. You just find the gaps. Right. It's like when he was speaking to Alabama, he said, you got to edit your life. You look at your life, you look at what works and you edit the things that don't work. It's like the concept persist and resist. You always be persistent. You resist the things that cause you to be distracted by the thing that you're trying to accomplish. And so when you look at what he does and how he works every single day, that's hard, man. You got to have a certain mentality, certain love, certain passion, but also a certain understanding of what you're working for every single day. Everybody is excited in the beginning. I tell cats that all, everybody, when they first start something, everybody excited. Yep. Yep. That ain't nothing new under the sun. Yep. Somebody got a new idea, like 
New con- everybody excited. Like New Year. Everybody started in January. Gym's packed. Every year. Yep. You get to February and March, habits matter. Habits matter. Principles matter. How you view what you're doing and trying to accomplish matters. Like when you talk about greatness, man, they retired two numbers. Eight and 24. They retired eight and 24. That's how great he was. Eight and 24. Two different players. Accomplished championships with both, but two different players. And so when I look at it, man, in Mamba mentality, the thing that comes to mind for me is preparation. Because when you talk about greatness, Paul Gasol said all he used to talk about was, if you want to be great, you have to be willing to prepare, prepare, and prepare. And when a cat has talent, they think they can just walk out there and do what they do with their talent until they meet a cat that's prepared. Inkton played against a baseball coach one time. Oh, my man was sitting over there with a board and people was laughing at him because it was like 10U baseball. Mm-hmm. People laughing at him. Oh, you got a board. It's 10U baseball. This was when the shift happened in MLB. Inkton and Lily, they didn't travel, but it's Lily. We play against my man. Guess what my man doing? Oh, he doing the shift. He got his outfield, the shift. Oh, who's up? Inky Johnson Jr.? He usually hits the ball to the gap. Dude, waiting on it. Uh, them laughs stopped because he prepared. He valued what he did, and it made a difference in the game. He didn't just rely on his talent. That, uh, like, what you just said is spot on. Like, it takes the work. It takes the, the want to. It takes the grit. It takes the grind. Yeah, if we talk about Bean, right, and the, the two parts of his career, and I liken it to you sure. in this regard. When Bean first got into the league, he, he, you know, all of that, won three chips. Then he went through that wilderness phase. As I always say, you either going, you either, you know, going through the promised land, he started in the wilderness with the air ball against Utah and whatnot, yeah. won the three chips, bound in the uh, promised land, then Shaq leaves. And he goes and has all the stuff out wherever they were, you know, that bs uh, And I'm not saying bs like, demeaning it, right. but I'm saying that wilderness piece. Right. No then he comes out of the wilderness into the promised land of winning the two chips back-to-back uh, back, uh, as with him being the lead guy. Yes, sir. The, one of the things that are different for me that I always speak about is his relationship to being Brian. Mm. When he was Talk going through it. the wilderness... That, that, that second wilderness, not when he got drafted. Mm-hmm. One to three trips, chips. Going through the wilderness? Yeah. That's when, uh, that's when him and Pops got back together. Mm. Yeah. Right? Talk about it. So, you know, I know we've talked about it in the past. That relationship between that old bull and that big bull is so important. Yeah. That is what propels you. See, yeah. because he now had the wherewithal to now get up and go work as he always as he always had, mm-hmm. but it was some extra now because mm-hmm. it was undergirded by this elder yeah. that he reconnected with. Yeah, you know man. the feeling. Yeah, man. You yeah, see what I'm saying? Man. So any hey, this is all I'm saying, y'all. If there are somebody, some people in your lives who you really love, who have really been there for you, and you on the outs with, reconnect. Mm. Understand that. They might have had flaws or have flaws, and you have flaws, and and the and the, the the relationship may have gone sideways. 
Mm. Yet, for you to get to the next level of your life, reconnect mm. because they were sent to your life for a purpose, for a reason. Mm. For to undergird and be your supporter, to be your foundation, to be your cheerleader. Reconnect with your folks, Speak. whether that's your mama, whether that's your daddy, whether that's your uncle, whether that's your best friend. If mm. you have fallen out with somebody in this season right here, reconnect. Yes, sir. Reconnect. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like I that's one it. of the, I think one of the lessons of I love of of Mamba's life because I believe that the Creator in the universe sends her, sends us people mm. and and events for us to use as a teaching tool for our own selves. Yeah, right. That's a fact. And I think that's that's one of the the caveats of of Kobe being Brian's greatness was that he was able to and he had the humility to mm. and his dad had the humility to it's key to reconnect. It's key. I love it that you brought up the element of the father. It's like Cash used to ask me about Floyd, and you can feel how you feel about Floyd, but I would always be like, man, ain't nobody beat Mayweather. And be like, why, why you that? Like, bro, he was trained by his daddy mm -hmm. majority of his life. His daddy know things about him that nobody else in the world knows. Yep. He was trained by his daddy. Like, my daddy know things about me present day that nobody else knows. He always tell the story. Anytime he see a young athlete, oh, he always telling the story. We used to play one of the top teams in basketball when I was in high school. My daddy would come over from work, still in his slack, his dress shoes. He came down in the locker room. I'm sitting there. I got my back against the wall. And when he went to open his mouth, I looked at him. I said, I already know. I said, I'm going to kill him. He gave me the head nod. He walked out. Yep. But everybody else is making the game a big deal. He just walked down to check the temperature. Let yep. me see if Ink know the importance of the moment. As soon as he stepped in the hallway, I was like, I already know I'm going to kill him. Now I just head walk back up. And so even when you speak to like Kobe and the element of having his father, when I look at Floyd and having his father, majority of his career, the foundation that built the career, I'm like, ain't nobody going to beat him. Because Pops know something about him and his greatness that nobody else knows, man. So that's key, I, I man. I want to ride on that just for a second. Yeah. So there's another who I think is probably one of the top three. And I don't know anything about boxing. Mm -hmm. I, I don't claim to know. But just from my eye test. Yeah. Uh, a young cat who got robbed in the 88 Olympics mm. and went on to be one of the greatest boxers of all time. Yeah. And Roy Jones Jr. Yeah. Yet, towards the end, or, you know, a period towards the end, there was a stagnation with Roy. Mm -hmm. That stagnation was the severance between him and Pops. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, always look at how closely are, are these athletes or whomever in the public figure, in terms of their greatness, uh, their relationship with their elder. And it doesn't necessarily have to be your, you know, biological dad. Right. But being and staying with your elders, sticking with them, is directly proportional to your ascension, mm. to your greatness, to your yeah. purpose, to you manifesting who it is you're supposed to be. Because God don't make mistakes. Right. So they were sent in your life for a reason. No question. And because of our own human error, mm. our own human shortcomings, yeah. right, we may... Several of those ties. Yeah. But the moment that you connect them back, 
Watch what happens. Mm. Watch what happens. Mm. If you're feeling yourself discouraged, if you're feeling yourself like, I, I just don't see a way out of no way, take inventory of who are the elders that you've disconnected with mm. and then go and connect back with them. Yeah. Picking it up. Yeah. Picking it up. Or what you think about when you hear the term post-traumatic growth? We talk about post-traumatic stress. When you hear the term post-traumatic growth, what um, comes to mind? There was a, a lack of preparation, mm-hmm. yet because of purpose and because God needs you to grow. Yes, sir. Because there's something greater that you need to do. Mm-hmm. You're going to grow anyway. Yeah. You, it's just that you're not necessarily ready for that moment because you haven't done the pre-work mm. or you about skipped it. out on the pre-work. Talk about but it, it still is going to happen. It's going to, the destiny is the destiny. Yes, sir. The manifestation is the manifestation. Yes, sir. Right? That's why it's so important that you do the pre-work of preparing, studying, being an intellectual. All these things are, in, are, are investing in intellectualism, the yeah. things that we talked about, right? Absolutely. Such that, when the success happens, you're not taken aback. Right. It's like, okay, this was supposed to happen. No question. Because I've done the work for it. No question. Right? The post, what did you call it? The post? Post-traumatic growth. The, po- the, the trauma is in um, something has happened that I wasn't prepared for. Yeah. Right? It's the trauma. And, and as you say, you know, your your ability and your skill at taking and putting you in some places where your character wasn't able to keep you. Yes, sir. That's essentially what it is. Yes, sir. So you work on the character, right? So then when you win the lottery or when you get the promotion or when you get whatever it is that you say you want in life, right? When you get rich, who cares, right? Yes, sir. That your you've done the pre-work of your character to keep you there. Mm. Picking it up. The trauma is, oh, shoot, what do I do now? Mm. You know what I'm saying? I got you. See, like, let's say you didn't have the injury. Mm -hmm. And whatever you went on, went on, went on, because you got the gift. You've been anointed. We we clear on that. And you go and do what you're doing and living the life that you're living without having gone through the work. Let's say you didn't live with your grandma. Yeah. And your uncles right. and your mom. Let's say it was all just kind of given to you. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, when I say given to you, like as a youngster. Right. And then as you become an adult, boom, it just multiplies. Yeah. Then what happens? Yeah. You're not, you haven't done the work of character development. Don't appreciate it either. Right. So that's why, right, right now, like for you and your babies, that's, that's the only work that needs to happen. Yeah. The character work. Definitely. Definitely. The intestinal fortitude work. The grit work. Definitely. We spend, as parents, as adults, and as elders, we spend so much time trying to shield our babies from Mm. uh, adversity Mm. (laughs) rather than create the adversity. Because if I create the adversity, I control the the adversity. Then now I'm I'm able to teach you the lessons and, and the habits of how to deal with the adversity. Yes, sir. Rather than letting the life hit you with the adversity, and I've never taught you anything about the adversity, yeah. then now you find young people and you find older people, and we find ourselves like, what do I do next? Yeah, definitely. 
Definitely. Like I was, uh, I was reading an article in the Harvard Business Review, and it talked about the term when somebody says, if it don't kill me, it's going to make me stronger. Mm-hmm. Right? Like we've all heard that term. If it doesn't kill me, it's going to make me stronger. And they said that term originated from like post-traumatic growth. By nature, most people are resilient. Yep. Like most people encounter a hard time. Most people are resilient and they're going to get through it or get over it or get by it. But the challenge is for most people, when they get by the obstacle, when they get by the opposition adversity, most people go back to the same habits, the same place or the same behavior. Right. Psychologically and physically. Post-traumatic growth is when a person goes through something and when they get on the other side of it, psychologically and physically, they're way stronger. Watch this, oh, because the opposition, the obstacle, the adversity, they gave it a narrative. Mm-hmm. Like when you say, what's the story? They gave it a narrative. And it made me think about my own situation in life. When I would say to people in the midst of my adversity and opposition and paralyzing my arm, like when I look at a picture of me, man, like when I was younger and I look at a picture of me and like both of my arms work. You know what I'm saying? Like, I see my physique. I'm watching it with my children. Like I said yesterday to my wife, like, I was like, man, I never would have thought I'd be going throughout life with a paralyzed arm. Like, never. Yeah. Like, I remember when my arm got paralyzed, Oak, I was like, God, like, that's being real. I was like, God, like, um, like, man, you got to take all of them from me. Like, most people knew I played one sport, football. Like, bro, I played nah, baseball. Nah, this, this, I played this, basketball. This is Westbrook before Westbrook, folk. <laughs> I, I ran track. Westbrook. Like, I was like, God, like, like, let me go play baseball. You know what I'm saying? Like, God, let me, let me run track. Like, all of them going to go? You know what I'm saying? And in the midst of that, I had to give it a narrative, man. Like, that's when I started saying, like, my arm and my hand paralyzed. My heart isn't. Mm-hmm. That's when I said my arm and my hand is paralyzed. My mindset isn't. My dedication isn't. My commitment level isn't, right? Not the cheap stuff. The commitment that says, can I stay true to what I said I would do long after the mood that I've set it in has left, right? Post-traumatic growth. I wasn't the same person on the other side of this. I didn't go back to the same behaviors. I didn't go back to the same thought process. My perspective about life had totally changed. It totally disrupted my perspective. Right. Because that morning I'm strong. I'm in my position. I'm yep. ready to go. Yep. I'm, I'm a potential one day draft that morning. That night I'm in the emergency room and I'm fighting for my life. Next morning I wake up. My life has never been the same ever again. Right. But I gave the situation a narrative. Right. Post-traumatic growth. The next time you go through something, the next time you encounter something, will you get over it because you're resilient and just go back to the same behaviors habits, and perspective? Or will you get through it, get by it, and on the other side of it, you're a totally different person because of how you grow through what you went through? And, and the strategy, or one of the strategies for that is, you, you were saying it in terms of the narrative, right? Yes, sir. That's the, uh, there's, a, there's an African thought called the power of no more, mm-hmm. which is you speak a thing into existence. Talk about Like it. we're talking about creating and, and putting language to something. Yes, sir. So once you put language to a thing, once you create the narrative of a thing, then that thing began to manifest and come to pass. Talk about it. So 
once you begin to say to yourself that self-talk is, is real, mm. that self-reflection is real. Mm. When you look in the mirror or if you just look down or close your eyes, when you pray, all you're doing is evoking the power of no more. You're creating the narrative. Picking the narrative up. is, oh, man, everything's always going to be wrong. I'm tired of this. Everything just messed up. Life just ain't going to treat me right. If it ain't one thing, it's another. Mm. Or, you know what? Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you. To be the best Thank you. of myself. Thank, Thank you for this adversity that I'm going through. Thank Ask you. for the storm. Thank you for the storm. Thank Please you. send the storm. It's going to hurt. I'm going to go through it. I'm going to almost be ready to curse God herself. <laughs> Yet, in the midst of all of that, I'm going to come through. Mm. That's what you got to first tell yourself. Talk about it. Then now from there, but in the beginning, there was the word. Mm. There it is. In the beginning, there was the word. Yes, sir. It doesn't say in the beginning there was action. Mm. Talk about it. So the power of no more, the language that you put to it. And then when you, the, the, uh, this is how I really get strong. Yeah. When you and I can fight for a common language, mm. right? Yeah. We can disagree. We can be, you could be going that way. I can be going that way. But because we're fighting for the common language. Yes, sir. We still right here. Lead that. Right. And anybody who is able to eavesdrop on the conversations can take from it that we're right here. Yes, indeed. Right. Yes, sir. So the, in the beginning, it was the word, the power of no more. Yes, sir. Uh, Oak, okay, uh, I'm going to land the plane with this. I asked the crew, man, um, earlier, if a young cat came up to you and asked you uh, how to be successful, what is success, whatever, mm -hmm. what would you share with them? Two words. Mm -hmm. I promise you, it just to show his fat meat grease and water wet. Yes, sir. Own it. There it is. Own it. Own every moment of your life. Mm. Whether you got to fight for it and you don't fight for it. Own it. Whether you need to be patient and you have yet to develop the maturity to be patient. Own that. Own the moments of your life. Mm. That's your foundation. Then from there, we know all of the wonderful things that and, 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 and characteristics of becoming uh, successful or becoming who it is that you're supposed to become. But I guarantee you, you will never, ever, ever become who and whatsoever it is that you're supposed to become if you don't own it first. Yes, indeed. Own your roses and own your tish. Mm. Own it. Yes, it's indeed. yours. That's your relationship. That's your contract that you signed with God. Own it. Yeah. O-W-N-I-T. Yes, Own indeed. it. Yeah. If, I, uh, if I could talk to a younger cat about success, bro, I would tell him, enter every activity with the need and the want to be the best. Right? into every activity with the need and the want to be the best, but be agile in your preparation, right? And when I say agile in your yeah, preparation- talk, talk to them about agile. Right? You got to be agile in that preparation because your preparation will always vary based upon the headspace that you're in, 
right? And the key to knowing what headspace that you're in is you got to know yourself, man. Like every day you're not going to be super motivated. Every day you're not going to feel like the best in the world. So you got to be agile in your preparation, right? When things happen, when things come up, be agile. Have a level of mental agility, right? The quote says it. It's not the strongest. It's not the most intelligent, but the one that's most willing to adapt to change. You got to be agile in your preparation. But in every activity you enter, you enter with the need and the want Mm. to be the best. That's not predicated upon external factors. That's not predicated upon who I'm up against. That's not predicated upon their record. It's not predicated upon what they did to the cats last week. That's predicated upon solely my need and my want to be the best with every environment that I go into. Be agile in that preparation, man, because that preparation will always vary based upon the headspace that you're in. We appreciate your time. Peace. Serendipity, man. Tune in. 